Hello, and welcome to the Theology Gaming Podcast. I am Zachary Oliver, the owner and proprietor of the Theology Gaming Blog. And with me right now is one guest and one guest who isn't here. So, <laughs> uh, my first guest who is here is Wildman Ted Loring, who runs the Video Game Theology Blog. Hello, Ted. Hey there, this is Wildman Ted, and I am here. I just checked. So, <laughs> oh, I'm glad you're here. I, I, I actually do exist. I'm confirming <laughs> it right now. I can't see you, but I, I'm assured that you're there. You're going to have to go by faith on this one, brother. Okay. <laughs> I'll walk that. Uh, and we also have our guest who isn't here yet, Joe Mazzalia, my partner in crime in sometimes here, sometimes not guest of the podcast. Unfortunately, we've hit a little of a snag with scheduling and such, so Joe is not here right now, but hopefully he'll call in and we can talk about things. I think he's going to show. There's no way he can miss out on a game like this. Oh, no, no. <laughs> no way. I, I Josh was really interested too, but, you know, as things are wont to happen, uh, things get in the way. So <laughs> we'll try our best to entertain you for the next who knows how long. <laughs> Yeah, I don't have a song for this one, though, so uh, I'm really stretching it this time. Oh, man, no! We don't have enough material! <laughs> Help me! All well, right. don't worry, I have my Bible here, so I figure I could read the entire book of Genesis if I have to. So, <laughs> Yeah, let's do that. Uh, <laughs> all right, since we don't have as many guests who are bantering around and taking up time, <laughs> we, we could actually talk to each other. Uh, Ted, how is your uh, time going? And you said you were recovering from the flu. So how was yes. that? It seems like every time I I uh, have been involved with you, Zachary, I've been getting these terrible sicknesses. I don't know if there's a connection or not. No, but... no, no. It's not my fault. I guarantee. Okay. But uh, yeah, about a week ago, I just got what I thought was a bad cold or some allergies. Allergies are really bad here in the South. And yeah, it just kept... And it really, this has knocked me out. I've Today is the first time I, I've gotten up, literally. So uh, it'll be really interesting to talk about games that I have played or have really not played for the past week. <laughs> oh, maybe maybe just coming on is starting to cure you. Maybe that's what's happening. It's helping, actually. I think just it gave me something to think about and to prepare for and will hopefully get me uh, in good shape to start going back to work and being a productive member of society again. <laughs> yeah, because um, up here in New Hampshire, right, we get, like, huge sinus pressure from the storms. So right. I had, like, a massive headache on Friday. <laughs> it was like a migraine level. I don't know what was happening to me. I didn't do anything, so... <laughs> And I don't know if we get that here so much as just the uh, the trees and the plants just, you know, they explode with pollen. Yeah. I, I don't know what it's like. You said you're in, uh, is it New Hampshire? Is that what yeah, you said? we get that, okay. too. It's just, yeah. it happens at late spring, early summer, so. And so it happens sooner down here, but your car will get coated with pollen and all that stuff? Oh, uh, yeah. I live in yeah, a place okay. where there's way too much of that. <laughs> It's it's amazing, and we're breathing it all in. And uh, well, I didn't mean this to turn into a health minute here, but um, <laughs> I really am glad to be feeling better. What have you been up to, seriously? Uh, I've been preparing for uh, Penny Arcade Expo East. <laughs> That's uh, is it next week? Yeah, uh, it's this coming weekend. So okay. I'll be there Friday. So if you're listening to this and you're going to PAX East, I'll be wandering around the show floor. <laughs> so. If you see me, say hello. I'll have the T-shirt on too. So. And this is the official uh, theology gaming T-shirt. It is the official theology gaming T-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> it's got the logo with a nice charcoal gray or slate, whatever you want to call it. What's the color of the fabric? Uh, it's dark. <laughs> okay, dark. Okay, so look for a guy wearing a dark T-shirt at PAX. Yeah. Well, there's bright orange lettering, so people should be able to recognize <laughs> it if they've seen the website. Yeah, have business cards. <laughs> well, excellent. I, I do hope that goes well for you. I'm actually a little bit jealous. I've never been to an event like that. Have you ever before? No. So this is going to be my first time pressing the flesh, so to speak. Yeah, and wear good, uh, comfortable shoes. Yeah, <laughs> it's going to be a long day. Uh, I couldn't get passes for any day other than Friday because I signed up way too late. So, yeah, the three-day pass uh, sells out really fast. That's all I – I could only get the Friday. <laughs> And from what I've heard, this is an event that is really geared toward the gamers and people that love gaming, not not just the business side of it. Yeah, and we'll see a lot of journalists and game companies, you know, 
selling their wares. But I mean, there will be a lot of other people there too. So, right, and panels as well. I think of speakers and guests and stuff like that. Yeah, I didn't even bother looking up scheduling. I just figured I'm just going to look at what games are coming out, right? Because yeah, theology yeah. gaming blog, right? And we want to write about games. So and we got to talk about the latest games. Yeah, <laughs> at some point. because sometimes zach doesn't have enough money to go and purchase every new game that comes out it's true though it's a it's a financial commitment to stay on top of the gaming scene and i'm not there i'll just tell you the truth (laughs) i have a backlog that stretches way too far (laughs) yeah i do too it just i have to keep up with this (laughs) but you know what i've made those conscious decisions not to buy certain games after a while like um what came out last week? Like Tomb Raider and stuff? I don't know. Yeah, now that, uh, I've watched a little bit of video footage of that on YouTube, and it looks great, so I hope it's a good one. Hmm. I think it'll be more Uncharted-esque than it will be oh, like a Tomb Raider game, yeah. Yeah, it definitely looks like that, yeah. Uh, it's a new new uh, change for them, it seems to be. <laughs> but I, li- I liked Uncharted, so I don't know. You probably... Don't like everything I like. So. Uh, I've never played an Uncharted game. Oh, okay. So <laughs> I don't know. It's very like it. Yeah, I don't know. You know, if a cin- cinematic experience is something that you would appreciate or not, but that is truly what Uncharted is like. They just have these huge sets and they have these sweeping panoramic views while you're playing. Uh, it's it's truly an experience. I haven't played the third one yet, though. I've only played the first and the second. It sounds like a Michael Bay movie plus Indiana Jones. Yeah, okay, but I hate, you know, you say Michael Bay nowadays, and it just doesn't give people a good feel. I'm okay with Michael Bay movies. You are? Yeah, you know, when things explode, that's great. That's that's what I expect, so. Yeah, that's true. If you go in expecting that, then you win. (laughs) (laughs) I get tired of some of the, um, of the, well, and the Transformer stuff. Uh, Just the, the potty jokes, I guess, lack of a better word. Yeah, I think that was in the second movie I saw. <laughs> yeah. Went a little too far for me. Yeah, and that's what it is. I mean, you know, you can touch on some things and it's funny, but if you dwell on some things, it gets less funny. Yeah, as or time goes. we can refer to the, the dog humping, I guess. <laughs> yes, that's pretty much, which again is a normal, natural thing for dogs to do, but doesn't mean I necessarily want to see the robotic equivalent doing it on a huge screen in a movie theater. No. And it's, well, it's part of a two and a half hour movie too. So yeah. Oh boy. Anyway. Well, yes. <laughs> uh, so how is your divinity education going also? Oh yeah. I'm happy to report on that. Um, I have three more classes to go for this session and uh, it's really been very interesting. Again, it's on um, Christian thought and classical philosophy and how the two have influenced each other. And currently I'm reading Thomas Aquinas. So I'm reading some of the Summa Theologica, if I said that correct. Uh, And I'm actually reading, uh, it's called the Summa of the Summa, (laughs) because it it takes excerpt from it, because it's a lot of reading otherwise. Yeah, it's much better just to read a summary, because you're not into scholastic theology, I would guess. Yes, and that's truly what that is. It's amazing to to read some of this stuff. One thing that I take from all this is that these ancient minds, and again, minds from you know 1500 to 2000 years ago, are incredible thinkers. I mean, even if you don't agree with it, their what is it? Their 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 structure for coming up with thought and carrying it through is extraordinary. Yeah. And in some ways is, is more amazing than the way people think nowadays. I find it so. I, I think um, yeah. Aquinas was influenced by um, Aristotle. That would be what most people know, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah that would be because, that. But it's mostly because um, Aristotle was preserved by the, um, by the Muslims. So the whole empire of Muslim believers and worshipers, they kept all the knowledge, old knowledge, you know, that was burnt down during the, you know, barbarian invasions. And so what happened is that all the Aristotle and all this uh, mode of thinking ended up being transferred to a lot of 
uh, Christian and Jewish thinkers. So around the time when Aquinas was, which is about the 1200s, would be my I guess. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They ended up adopting that really systematic mode of thought about scholasticism and you know analyzing every claim and having the argument and the counterargument. And it's really exhaustive and it's not casual reading by any stretch. But no, it isn't. No. It was a rediscovery of these great Greek thinkers. And also there was some sense of a Christianity had to compete with uh, some of the other way, uh, ways of thought that were going out there, including uh, Islam. So, yeah, Aquinas took it on. And just like, uh, I mean, Aristotle's not easy to read because it's so detailed and meticulous. And uh, he's known from starting from the ground and working his way up to God or, you know, a sort of God substance. And uh, that's kind of what Aquinas does as well. Yeah, I actually takes it from that and builds it Lego block by by Lego block (laughs) until you get all your way up there. Yeah, the thing about Aristotle is that uh, all the written texts we have of his are not like things he published uh, publicly. They're mostly like his own personal notes. So that's why they read the way they do, which is sometimes confusing and odd. It's like reading somebody else's notes in a class, right? They don't make sense to any of us, but they make sense to the person who wrote them. And he was such a huge influence, even on science. So the words that we use in science, like genus and species, I mean, that's one of the basic ways we use to describe life and biology. That's Aristotle, man, all the way. Uh, it seems that Joe is on Skype. Hello? Oh, hello, Joe. Hey. <laughs> I'm glad you made it. Save us. Save us from our conversation, please. No, our conversation's awesome. Uh, hold on a oh, second. Yeah. I, gotta, I, mean, I gotta turn you guys down. Oh, I'm sorry. We're loud. <laughs> Let me say this again. Hey, please join in this conversation and make it like awesomer than it was because oh, it was wait. awesome. Good, good, good save, Ted. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know if awesomer is a word. It's not. All right, Joe is here. Yeah. Yay. Ooh, what is it, just us two? Yeah, just you guys. Everyone Ooh. else uh, abandoned me. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, that would be three of us, Joe. Three of us yeah. total. Okay, yeah, I can count. Okay. You mean other two. Oh, by the way, do I sound not from space this time? You do not sound like Captain Kirk. Okay, thank God. <laughs> no, you sound great. Just don't breathe Captain, too heavily. It's highly illogical. In <laughs> fact. So uh, what are we discussing today? Uh, we were talking about Thomas Aquinas, but let's just jump away from that now. Okay. And, <laughs> and deep. Uh, let's talk about what we were playing. So, Joe. Tomb Raider. You, okay, you were playing Tomb Raider. You can Loving start Loving it. Loving it so much. It's like Uncharted meets my favorite things ever, which are bows and archery and exploring, <laughs> and I love it. So, yeah, highly recommend it. Very good. Actually, it has a very deep story arc, which I find kind of amusing because you don't think of that when you think of Lara Croft. Huh. But, yeah, I mean, I really genuinely enjoyed it. And this is coming from a guy that will sit down and play maybe 20 minutes of a video game at a time. I sat and probably got through about 75% of it in one sitting. Wow. That's wow. Awesome. <laughs> so it was very engaging. So, um, um, Incredibly. What other Tomb Raider games have you played? Just I haven't. Okay. So You're kidding. I wish I wasn't. Okay, so I've played a bunch of them. So I don't know what... It would be me getting into that experience. And nor have I played any Uncharted games. As Wait, I huh? Earlier. Yeah. Oh, Zach. Hey, stop sighing at me. I know. <laughs> but Ted. I, uh, I played all of them, just about. I mean, in the early days, one, two, and three. And then there was Chronicles and The Last Revelation. So, yeah, I played all of them. You played all of those. From what I've read, it's a lot less like those because it's not, you know, like you'll you'll go into the tombs and it'll be like instead of it being like a 30 to 40 minute puzzle, figure everything out thing, it's like five minutes for each tomb. It's not really about the tomb raiding. It's more of a girl's story of survival. She's not the Laura Croft you know yet. It's a prequel. So it's like the first time she's ever encountering the world and the dangers and all that stuff. And it's really her starting off as totally a victim and her growing in her abilities and becoming the Laura Croft that you know. Huh. Okay, so no sexy hot pants. Well, yeah. Um, yeah, I think so. No, there are <laughs> But I think it's actually it's a good thing that it's not what those older games used to be, because I think the era of those games has kind of gone. I mean, if you go back and play those now, it doesn't meet the same expectations that you want to have for a game nowadays. Oh, yeah. The older ones, they're almost unplayable at points. 
they are almost unplayable with the control. You find yourself walking into walls, falling off things. Uh, it was a real skill. Of course, that's all we had, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, you had to line up those jumps perfectly, and it was almost impossible. Yeah. And you just had no idea what to do or where to go. I, I would buy player's guides and pour through the pages and, oh, I was supposed to go there? I mean, there's no indication. Yeah, so, no, it's uh, a lot more intuitive now. Um, the control, the movement feels a lot more like Assassin's Creed than it does, you know, like a platformer. Okay. Yeah, I, I've yeah. seen some video, and she seems to move very fluidly around, and uh, uh, the, the arrow, bow and arrow, does look Oh, incredible. God, it's so good. <laughs> there are a lot of bow and arrow games lately, I have to say. Because, I, well, I mean, it's a it's an interesting weapon. I mean, it's fun. It allows you to be silent. It's not running in there, guns blazing, you know, chest-high wall cover shooters. It's, only, it's a shame there's no turret coming out, really. Um, no, it's really, it's really not. Oh, come on. The bow in that game's great. Tech bow? Oh, dude, that game was terrible. Oh, shame on you, Joe. Dude, that game was awful, and you no, would know, and you know Rock it. Rock Rage Wars. You, you're Tech. in denial. <sighs> Scott. I played it on the 64, I think, to Rock 2. Yeah. And it was hard to play, really hard to play. Because <laughs> it, it was badly designed. Well, the sequels are much better, so. No, they're not. Hey, stop it. I'm sorry. Oh, man, hunt, hunting dinosaurs with bows and arrows is awesome. Yes. No, the idea is great. The execution is not. You like Turok Evolution. I know you do. I played it. And the kernel and all that. I, I regretted it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, coming back right. to Tomb Raider. I, uh, so you've played... been playing Tomb Raider. I played Tomb Raider Legend recently, and I actually liked it, so. <laughs> See, like, I, I have no basis to jump off of with that one. Yeah, it's it's basically, um, like, you know, Prince of Persia seems to be the model for the more modern uh, Tomb Raider games. So it's mostly about jumping around and that kind of thing, right? <laughs> um, well, there's a lot of jumping around, but, I mean, there's a whole lot more, and at least in the one I'm playing right yeah, now. More there's a whole. Well, it's it's not even more combat. It's more story driven, which is why I like it and why you might not. Um, just because it's all it's immersion. It's all getting into the whole you know feel of who this character is. I mean, the combat's there, yes, but it's not combat centric, nor is it you know exploration centric. Huh. It's really just a journey that you go on. And there I go using that word again. <laughs> well, that might be okay because if it was like all combat centric, like. Here I am, I'm Lara Croft, and I get to murder everyone. It'd be a little weird. It's but. actually really cool because um, the first like time you actually end up taking someone's life, it actually shows how it affects her. And it's not like she's this like stone dead killer that can just you know not even think about it. It's more along the lines of you know she actually ends up killing someone, and the next thing you see is her actually like you know throwing up because she can't handle that it just happened. It was really a neat thing. Hmm. And she changes as the game progresses. She gets oh, yeah. harder in in that sense where she can kill easier. Right, exactly, and it's still never easy for her. Like it's never you know, like it's not you know. Master Chief just not even thinking about what he's doing. Like, she still feels it visibly that she's taking a life, but she realizes how necessary it is. Hmm. Well, uh, Theology Gaming for the moment recommends Tomb Raider, so... <laughs> but I am. Uh, okay, so Ted, what have you been playing, other than the game? Well, well, here's what I've had to do. I had to make up what I've been playing since I've had the flu. So here's here's probably games I should have played while I had the flu. One would be uh, Doctor Mario, right? Because the little viruses, you know, in the medicine. And uh, and then I was also thinking maybe um, uh, either Trauma Center or uh, one of those sim games where you build a hospital. I forgot what that's called. A hospital tycoon. I probably should have done that one. <laughs> Theme hospital. Yeah, Sy I just system shock. <laughs> I've that been so less. sick. Yeah, system shock. That is sounds right. less helpful. <laughs> uh, I, I, I've been feeling like Laura Croft felt after she made her first kill. I've just been like, oh. <laughs> Nailed it, by the way, on that performance. Did you like that? See, I should be doing voiceover work for video games. I don't know why you're not. Well, they only hired that one guy, you know, that does all the Nathan Drake stuff and every other major guy. I forget his name, but Nolan North. He's got. Yep. Yeah, he's got like the market cornered for video game male voices. He's in everything. No, he's like the Mark Hamill of video games. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I I so, was playing White Knight Chronicles, and he's in that game somehow. I don't. It's <laughs> he's just an incidental okay. character, but he's in it. He has people lined up just waiting for him to go in the studio and record some lines, and then they stick his name on it. <laughs> it's a good deal actually for him. I'm not really upset for him. No. <laughs> Quite a lucrative business. I would think so. Yeah. So did you play anything at all, or was it just mostly uh, I've been so sick. Flu. That's, I mean, I did play all the way through our game that we'll be talking about, uh, and that, that took all my strength. It really did. So I'm talking I'm about El Shaddai. I, okay, I have a confession. I haven't even touched it. <laughs> okay, this is a wonderful start. I w- I'm sorry, dude. I went to the store. I looked at the box art, and I was just like, "This is not worth my money." <laughs> How much was it? I don't know, like it was like upwards of like forty-five bucks. I was Are just like, "What?" I have a weird GameStop. I admit it. Forty-five. I got bucks. mine used for fifteen ninety-nine. Maybe I was looking was... at another game. Are you sure you were looking <laughs> at the right game? All I know is it just looked like <laughs> thoroughly uninteresting to me. There was a frilly guy with a designer jeans on the cover, and he looked very uh, effeminate. Oh, okay. Well, that sounds great. You sold me. <laughs> I thought he looked like Brad Pitt. He does? Well, blonde well, Brad Pitt. You know, like the last of the Mohicans, Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt is, is that, in that uh-oh. movie? <laughs> yeah. He is? Maybe I shouldn't admit that I've seen him. Yeah, dude, I'm <laughs> wait, wait, I'm slightly wait. taken aback right now. Wait a minute. Wait, he's in that movie? Yeah, he's like a lead character. He's like, I forget. I think he says something like, I will come back for you or something like that. I thought Daniel Day-Lewis was the guy. Well, he's in that too. But but uh, Brad Pitt is it was one of his earlier movies. And he has long hair and, you know, he's all, I'm, I'm beautiful. Kind of like this <laughs> Enoch guy. Yeah, just like Enoch. <laughs> I... I, for the first time in my life, have no words. Uh, I'm I'm really embarrassed of. Well done, Ted. Well, it's a good, it's an okay movie. I don't remember. I just remember, you know, that he's in it, and that's what the character on the cover of El Sadai reminded me of was Brad Pitt as the last Mohican. I'm looking up this box art right now. Okay, I'm gonna talk about what I played now. Okay, everyone. Yeah, please do. (laughs) Please rescue me, please. Okay, so uh, this week I played. A lot of Darkstalkers Resurrection. So, for those who don't know, uh, the Darkstalkers series is a fighting game from Capcom. And they released approximately three games in the series. But it never really got popular here. But it has a huge tournament community in Japan and everything. So, this new re-release is basically like, you know, the HD remix kind of thing. And they basically, you know, upscale all the graphics and give it online play. So, I've been playing that. Pretty much religiously since it came out last Tuesday, and it's excellent. So, <laughs> is it just a fighting game where like you against one person and you go to the next round, or is it uh, uh, more it's, like? Um, have you ever played Killer Instinct by chance? Yes. It's kind of similar to that in terms of the rounds. You know how in that game you can like drain somebody's life bar and then there's another round, and you basically have two life bars instead of like set you know, 99 second rounds. It's kind of like that. Okay. So, but yeah, so you're sort of working your way up, fighting through everybody. So uh, in terms of the versus component, it's a game of total offense and total rushdown. So basically you're just there, you know, trying to plug people away with combos and trick them into, um, you know, opening themselves up and dying. So what's the, what's the name of the Batgirl? Do you know? Oregon? Wow. Oh, that's that her name, really? Yeah, Morgan or her other half, Lilith. They're both succubi. I was going to say they sound kind of demonic going by their names. Well, Darkstalkers basically has lots of uh, B-movie monsters and vampires and other such creatures as its characters. So it's a lot of good fun. I kind of enjoyed it. Yeah, (laughs) I enjoyed it a lot. I played a neat art style, I'll say that. Yeah, it's a nifty art style. It looks great even like 14 years after the last game in the series came out. Something like that. The animation holds up really well. And now, I was, is it like a side-scrolling fighter, or is it like a 3D kind of soul uh, caliber? It's a 2D animated fighter, that kind of thing. Oh. Street Fighter-esque. Sprite-based. Right, it's, got well, it. Well, it doesn't have as high an execution requirement as Street Fighter does, so you may find yourself liking it. I would what? recommend just download the demo. 
Try yeah, it. Yeah, I can do that. But yeah, I, I mean, I'm finding myself enjoying it, and I'm not like an execution master by any means. But there's a lot of strategy just in the basic move sets that you can do. So anyway, it's an innovator of the fighting genre. You should go take a look at it. I wrote an article about it in the past week. Read that. Theology Gaming recommends it. <laughs> cool. Yeah, I'll have to read that article. I haven't really been around these past few days. Yes, I know, Joe. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> What's your excuse? I was sick. What's your excuse? Uh, my excuse was taking care of friends on St. Patty's Day. Ah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wait, when was St. Patrick's Day? Um, Sunday. Okay, so it was Sunday. Everyone yeah. in my house was telling me it's not Sunday, it's Thursday. And then um, wrong. Okay, I don't know what calendar year they're looking at, but <laughs> no, I don't. Slightly off. Okay, so I was right. Anyway, no, I was to say, uh, theology gaming also supports um designated drivers. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Literally, that's what you've been. Sounds like. Yep. Good for you. Good yeah, for I do you. what I can for my friends. Yeah. All right, so let us get to the game of note, which was uh, full title: El Shaddai: Ascension of the Metatron. I'm looking at the wiki right now. Um, I don't have no idea what that title even means. Uh, well, Metatron. Die. Well, Metatron is um is re- referencing uh, Metatron's cube, I believe, which is a shape that in I believe Hebrew religion was created by an angel that basically shows perfect harmony. I could be wrong. Huh. I, I just know that El Shaddai means God Almighty. I don't know what the, the Metatron is. Hold on, I'm confirming this right now. Wikipedia does have an article for Metatron's Cube. Yep, I mean, see, hey, hey, I might know something. It's a geometric figure composed of 13 equal circles with lines from the center of each circle extending out to the centers of the other 12 circles. Uh, okay, uh, I don't remember seeing that in the game anywhere. <laughs> uh, no, that's why I'm confused somewhat. <laughs> Because it doesn't seem like the title has anything to do with this at all. No, I agree. I think there's a lot of things that the title or the game doesn't have to do with rather than things that it does have to do with. Okay, well, what I'm looking at right now, um, this is clearly a very Japanese game, correct? Uh, I agree. I agree. I think it's Japanese in the aesthetic sense, but it's very American in the design Okay, the reason I'm asking is how often do Japanese aesthetically, you know, games, made games, how often do their titles actually make any sense in context with the actual game? Uh, depends. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I, <laughs> I think that's you, a like, pretty good point. That's you a mean like final Like, fantasy? for instance, well, not even that. Like, for instance, like Zone of the Enders, it has nothing to do with the game itself. <laughs> I thought that that was because those people live in the outside regions of the solar system. As and someone who has played through that game yeah. like 17 times, it's never once mentioned. It totally is. I, I guarantee you it is. In the second one? At least in the first one. Okay, maybe the first one. I haven't played through that one very often. Yeah, I but... think it's in the first one. They kind of describe it in the prologue. Oh, okay. Anyway, well, we're getting really off point. but Because no, we never do that on this show. <laughs> no, we don't. Anyway, so... Um, the basic story of El Shaddai is that this takes place, um, what would you call it, around the time of the flood, or supposedly happening around the time of the flood. Of, right, and uh, sort of the Genesis era of the, of the Bible. Yeah, and um, so basically uh, a group of angels go down to heaven to procreate with human women creating a new race known as the Nephilim, which is the unholy union between angels and human beings. Well, according to the game, angels. I, I think right, according yeah, I to the scripture, it says the sons of God and the daughters of men. It's not True really enough. specific. True Go enough. Ahead. Okay, so in the game, let's be clear about that. <laughs> in the game, that's how they phrase it. And this is also in the book of Enoch. So these angels go down and basically in the game um, – create their own universes and their own ways to uh, augment human evolution. And by doing this, they create huge technological societies and they become the people who are worshipped by the... uh, They worship the angels instead of God. So God's none too happy with this. So God, for whatever reason, sends Enoch, uh, our Bishonen uh, anime archetype protagonist, to go down there and take back the souls of the fallen angels and bring them back to heaven for judgment. 
I think there's some reasons why they picked Enoch, uh, just like also in the books of Enoch, which uh, I think we we read or some of us read. Uh, but Enoch is, you know, the only character uh, in Scripture that it says, you know, he walked with God and then he was no more. So he didn't just die on this earth. He just sort of walked with God and disappeared. So Enoch as a character in the Bible is sort of has this uh, enigmatic quality. And he's been a very mysterious person for people to want to write about because what was he like? What did he see up there? And and there's all kinds of theories that uh, he was given powers or he was also given the ability to see uh, the future and things like that. So he's this uh, he's an interesting character for them to choose. Uh, yeah. And he's also again, like a blank slate that they can kind of put anything they want onto. Yeah, because I mean, there's really there's not much else that it says in Genesis about him other than his age and that he walked with God and then was no more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, but the extra biblical sources from which the game is derived, like the Book yes. of Enoch, right? So yes. the game is based off the Book of Enoch, which is the first 36 chapters of this giant extra biblical book. It's only considered orthodox by the Ethiopian Christian Church. Off the top of my head, I believe and, you're correct. Well yeah. done. <laughs> well, you double check. I'll keep it's talking. Pretty small demographic. <laughs> yeah, but it depicts this whole uh, battle between you know the the fallen angels that come down, create the Nephilim, and then Enoch is sent as a messenger down there to um, you know send out God's judgment and tell them, oh, will God save us from this? Even though we came down and kind of got enraptured by humans worshiping us and this kind of thing, then God says no and sends them all to hell or some kind of equivalent thereof. So. <laughs> Yeah, what is is he? Isn't he supposed to restore these fallen angels? But it's kind of vague as far as what it means for them to be restored. The game is really vague on it. Apparently, yeah. their souls are going to be purified in heaven or something, but it's not very clear what actually happens in the game. So, yeah, is it more he, of a story of like vengeance, or is it a story of like you know revival and renewal? It's a very mm. basic story of following God's divine command and doing exactly what He tells you to, with a yep. period of doubt in between. No, but like, yeah, I mean, I, I understand that, but I'm saying like, you know, is it more of a story of God's eventual forgiveness or is it more of a, you know, this is the wrath of God? Uh, well, the purpose of Enoch's journey is to prevent the flood from coming. So God's wrath was, uh, and, or the council, whatever that is. See, this game is not very clear on these things, but yeah. <laughs> uh, this council apparently decides that uh, the Nephilim are bad and they're going to destroy the earth because the, uh, in the game. The Nephilim eat each other and other things. Uh, oh, oh, okay. Yeah, and they look like little um, anime-style characters. But yeah. when they start eating people, they get really angry and turn into fire-breathing monsters of death. Yeah. Oh, well, that escalated quickly. Yeah, I agree. At the beginning, they look like like the blob from The Boy and His Blob, where yeah. he would give them a jelly bean. But when they eat one another, they get all fiery and huge and angry. Oh, all right. Yeah. And then they're going to destroy the Earth, and God can't handle the you know, kind of this defilement of his creation. So, you know, the council decides, hey, we're just going to send a flood. But then God goes, oh, I want to have mercy on all the human beings and set them back on the original course of evolution. So I'll send Enoch down there with Lucifer and the four um, archangels, which are Michael, Gabriel, Raphael, and Uriel. I never heard of the last one. I've heard yeah. of Uriel. I was waiting for Donatello and, and Raphael and Leonardo, but they are not in this game. Yeah, and the um, archangels, for whatever reason, are like birds. Oh, okay, birds, cool. They're, They're just like birds. swans, I guess. Yeah, and sometimes they trans. You have like a super attack that Uriel comes down and like blows enemies up with fire. Sweet. Yeah, so that's basically the plot of the game in the nutshell, and you get to see the result of the angels meddling with uh human affairs i kind of like how in like popular me or like more current media these days that angels are being less and less portrayed as like you know the the pictures we all saw when we were young of just you know like the you know winged thing with its hands spread out giving good tidings and now it's more like these angels are completely utterly awesome warriors for god i like that they've changed that <laughs> Yeah, well, well, they're definitely warriors. Uh, yeah. I don't know if they're for God in, in this case, some of them. Uh, and also, I thought it was interesting, like Ezekiel, for example, is actually a female character. So uh. That really throws it off a little bit, for sure. Might just be a bad translation. No, no, no. <laughs> She's like an old woman. Yeah. Oh. It's really weird. 
that's a bit, that's a bit off. <laughs> yeah, and the yeah. Fallen Angels, are, you know, because it's called the Book of the Watchers, the Enoch book, uh, the mm-hmm. part that describes this. So all the angels actually have like Cyclops eyes. All the Fallen Angels. Oh. Yeah, when they when they're in battle, at least they put on yeah. their helmet or whatever, and they have a Cyclops eye. Yeah, they have hmm. special armor that looks at you, and yeah. <laughs> okay <laughs> but it's a very um i would call it the closest thing visually would be okami but i don't think that quite does it justice yeah because okami is in like a league of its own yeah but there's a segment that looks just like okami not even joking like you well, know like the, um, like the woodblock style yeah exactly like the woodblock. oh that's impressive one of the developers was involved with okami yeah he's the lead character designer i think on that yeah masato kimura i think is his name all right. If we're he, he was involved in uh, Okami and Beautiful Joe and, and games like that. Oh, cool. Yeah. So he was in charge as director of this game. <laughs> huh. I have a bit of a theory on the uh, art style of this game. I think they went to a local art college, maybe a community art college, and <laughs> uh, took some graduates and said, hey, we want some levels for this tower. Just, you know, throw something together. The crazier, the better. And each <laughs> level is an art student's best best job at trying to be artistic <laughs> um i would agree oh to add um apparently enoch is looking for all, where all the humans are when he comes down to earth so he oh, searches okay. he searches for like four thousand years or something oh, which, wow. which takes like a couple days in game time oh <laughs> <laughs> i and love that he he wanders around for like 20 minutes and then it's like after 4,000 years, Enoch finds the Tower of the Watchers. <laughs> what is it? Tower of Babel? Is that what it is? That You know, that's the closest thing I could think of that it might relate to. But, I mean, I don't remember reading about a tower in what I read from the Enoch books chapters. I'm pretty sure it wasn't in a pocket dimension. <laughs> yeah. Yes, like hidden Taking from God. Some... Because it, was, <laughs> it was in a secret dimension that God was not able to see. So. <laughs> Nice. I yeah. love it when they take liberties like that. Yeah, and um, what Lucifer or Lucifer as they call him, he's yeah, kind of like he's in like an all black outfit, and he fall. He basically can travel through time, so he basically oh. helps you in your journey and saves your game. So sometimes he teleports around, and he's always talking to God in his cell phone, and uh, and he's uh, making on like, his cell phone. Yeah, and he's oh, making snide, yeah, he's making snide comments about you, and talking about. He's like, yeah, he's doing good. But you never get to hear God's voice, so they get oh. to have a little fun with it, right? <laughs> well, that's kind of cool, though. I kind of like the fact that they didn't do that. Yeah, at the beginning, when you're um, playing with different weapons, like he'll say, yeah, he hasn't decided what kind of weapons he likes yet. Oh, that's so, kind of intuitive, I suppose. Yeah, stuff like that. You know, little off jokes. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't it wasn't disrespectful, necessarily. No. Uh, it was kind of, uh, kind of a little bit playish or playful. But not uh, not disrespectful necessarily in my in my eyes, like towards religion in general. Yeah, I just sort of. Uh, it, I mean, clearly this Lucifer character had some kind of personal relationship with the God character on the other end of the phone, and obviously he's not the Judeo-Christian God in the sense where the fact that he has to rely on Lucifer and his cell phone to get any kind of information for what's going on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Goodness. No, but like Thank I think it's the, cool that they um they used like you know the christian like you know stuff in christianity and you know made a you know artful game with it i mean because i don't know I'm, I'm trying to think of where i'm going with this um because i don't want to say it's a cool mythology obviously it's not mythology but it's a neat thing to use you know like when you see people using griffins in other games yeah kind of like that actually i thought it was very good in the fact that it took the religious theme seriously now, in most Japanese games, right, the Roman Catholic Church is evil. Mm-hmm. I mean, right? There's always some kind of religious body that's like the evil character in the Japanese game, and you must destroy it so that people can live freely. That game doesn't do this. this that's game, cool. This game just says God exists, angels exist, you know, there's fallen angels, there's devils, and if you're against God, you're bad, and if you're, you know, if you're with the angels, you're bad, and if you're with God, you're good. And huh. you're basically following God's will. That's... That's basically the premise of the game. That is cool, though. I like that. Yeah, and it gets some really weird places, like when you're driving the Tron bike. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> okay. I'm not joking. Joe, you might like this game, actually. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to give it a shot. I got it for $10. So, you know what? You can come over to my house. You can take it from me. 
<laughs> All right. I'm, I'm not even joking. You can have it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You've got a PS3, right? I'm playing Tomb Raider on it. Okay. So, there you go. I'm going to say all the games I brought over were PS3 games, dude. Uh, yeah, that's true. Oh, except for Final Fantasy X, which is not. Mm, well, Zach, no. Oh, yeah. Well, that was PS2. <laughs> you brought up a good point uh, talking about gameplay and gameplay styles there where you mentioned the Tron bike. Mm. Um, this is a game that has many different styles of gameplay. That is true. Uh, now, does it get... Like, you know, is it that they're not fleshed out enough, though? Because I find that games usually usually games that do that are, you know, games where they'll have a ton of different things to do, different styles and everything like that. But none of them are really well made. So me and Ted are kind of in agreement on this, I think. I think we are. Go ahead. Yeah. See if you can represent um, me. Oh, oh, boy. <laughs> the problem with this game is that it wants to do a lot of things and doesn't do any of them well. Oh, so basically like, you know, Sonic Adventure. It looks really great. I got to admit. It looks fantastic. Sometimes there's slowdown because it's trying to process all the artsy graphics and camera angles and stuff. But mm. um, the game basically boils down to two styles, which is um, a Devil May Cry action Ninja Gaiden style combat system and a platforming, side-scrolling platforming section. Right, huh. 2D platforming and 3D platforming. And then and then a driving sequence. <laughs> and then one oh. driving sequence. Yeah. And a car chase. <laughs> And a couple yeah. boss fights here and there that come randomly for no reason at all. Uh, I'm not right. even joking about that one. You know, I appreciate variety. I appreciate that. But it was just, it wasn't enough to keep me loving it. I think I liked the fighting part best out of all of it. I found the most infuriating part was the, the 3D platforming, oh. especially uh, chapter 10 toward the end of the game when there's so many moving pl platforms, you know, you die over and over and over and over again. And I don't think it was fair. I think the way that the, uh, the character moves was just not... Uh, conducive to good platforming no <laughs> not at all okay yeah, so but... it gives you kind of the tools you would have in god of war which is basically like a double jump right okay and a, a dash kind of move dodge depends on what weapon you have a lot of the way that the game presents it is it goes for the prettiest camera angle to show off the art design. Oh, but it's not taking into account the actual platforming needs. No. So sometimes you'll have like a weird isometric angle and there are moving platforms. And you need the depth perception required to jump correctly. I think you know what I'm talking about, Ted. <laughs> I definitely do. Yeah. I can and, see it in my dreams. Oh, and it just happens over and over again. And But when you die, right? Uh, Lucifer snaps his fingers and brings you back to life. You don't take any damage. Oh, okay. So no, no wait, wait, wait. Like, isn't that like a game mechanic that you in general don't stand? Like, you can't stand. Yeah, I don't like it. Oh, okay. I think it shows that the game is poorly designed. <laughs> so they have all these little weird backups. Oh, and during combat, basically, if you die, which becomes kind of obvious, you kind of just smash buttons and you come back to life. Oh, yeah. Hey, cool. I'm, I need to ask you, Zach, were you playing on the easy level or the hard level? I was playing I, I on normal. Normal? Okay. See, I played easy. So that's the way it was on normal as well. I didn't know if that was yeah. just something it was doing for me on the easy level. I'm On normal, you can die like 10 times in a combat situation before it's impossible to revive again. Yeah, because really all I had to do on easy level for combat was just keep swinging away, and when I would fall backward in slow motion, I would just hit all those buttons. I'd spam them and come back and keep doing it. I mean, I did use some strategy, but I got tired after a while, so I said, I'll just do that. And uh, so, yeah, it wasn't much of a challenge to yeah. uh, to not die. Yeah, in terms of the um, combat, there's one unique thing. So if you've ever played a Devil May Cry or Ninja Gaiden kind of game, right? There's all those basic attacks and you got juggles and, you know, parries and blocks and all that kind of thing. But the one unique thing is the weapon stealing. So if yeah, you stun an enemy, yeah, if you stun an enemy, you can steal his weapon from him. So sometimes that works into your strategy in maneuvering your way around a battlefield. And perhaps you like one weapon better than the others. There's one that's, uh, you know, kind of the average weapon, one that's the close range weapon and one that's the projectile weapon. And those are the only three enemy types in the whole game yeah that's true hey which one did you tend to use the most i use the veil which that's is, the big the heavy hitting one yeah the big heavy fists i would pretty much if i use that i would jump up in the air and do it like i used to when i played teenage mutant ninja turtles on the nes i would do that that yeah, jump you could, kick <laughs> you could basically do that over and over again and the game doesn't yeah. penalize you at all yeah i would jump kick my way through or, or i use the uh, projectile one i would i'd use that quite a bit 
Yeah, and the other thing is that like the levels are designed in a way that you're like, oh, I know a combat section's coming out right about now, right? There'll be, yeah. There'll be like this big empty circular circular platform, and you'll go, oh, okay, yep. combat here. Well, here's an arena. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Oh boy, right? And it's just I don't know. This game really didn't do anything for me. Oh, the platforming is sometimes just awful, and the combat is not that great, and the Tron motorcycle sequence is cool, but you would just die for no reason sometimes. Yeah. So basically, it was just a very for like a forgettable game. Yeah. I, nothing really stuck with you. I have to put it in that category as well. It it certainly at the in the end turns out to be a very mediocre experience. It could have had real potential, but it didn't pull it off. Yeah, and add to that, the story we gave you as a summary here is uh-huh. much more clear than how it is conveyed in the game. Oh, wait, so you guys actually clarified it for me? Yes. Yes, you did. Hey, I could read exactly what it says in the booklet that came with it, too. I had to go read a plot synopsis to figure out what exactly just happened. Yeah, as it's happening, you're like, what? Yeah. Why did he say that? I don't understand. (laughs) I love that stuff. (laughs) And the game gives you really weird and inconsistent messages. So, like, there's these sections where you go into the quote-unquote darkness, right? And you're trying to escape or find Ishtar's bones. Okay, that's not part of biblical mm. theology at all. But when you, if you die in this section, you really die. Oh, but that's I never the, died in it. Yeah, but that's the only time in the whole game you can die for real. You get a credit sequence and a you failed moment, and you can't skip the cutscene. It takes like five minutes. I'm glad I didn't fail, but it had really so little to do with the game. It was like a, a completely different game. It was a platform jumping game. Yeah, hmm. it's weird. That is very odd. And I guess Ishtar has to resurrect. Did anyone get what that meant? Well, Ishtar did resurrect, and I never got any of her bones in the darkness. But, I mean, she's that little girl that became a woman. But her name is Nana, according to the manual. <laughs> well, that yeah, when she's a girl, she's Nana. But I, she becomes Ishtar, I believe. And she travels around with the Nephilim. So, feeding yeah. him jelly beans. No, no, she doesn't feed him jelly beans. Wrong game, wrong game. <laughs> <laughs> what game are we talking about? Uh, a boy and his blob, man, on the NES. He, there's a little boy and he had a blob and he would give the blob a certain color jelly bean and the blob would become a ladder or would become a hole in the ground. You never played that game? Does that happen in the no. remake too? I have it. it. They did a remake on the Wii. Yeah, I bought it. I just haven't played it yet. I never played it. It looks like they redid the art style on it. But that's what those Nephilims or whatever they're called kind of remind me of is the blob. Yeah. They're sort of adorable at that stage. But, you know, you feel a little bad that they're going to have to be destroyed. But when you see what they become, you realize that you have to. So I did feel some kind of emotions for that part of the game. Well, um, one more thing. I couldn't finish the game. I was on the last boss, right? And I just kept knocking him down over and over. And I was trying to figure out why I couldn't win. Did you ever figure it out? And it took me 10 minutes. Uh, I was doing it for 10 minutes. I'm like, oh, come on. He has to die at some point, you know, because there's no life meters or anything on the screen. The UI is completely bare. Yeah, I don't like that. So you have no idea how much health the boss has or if you're doing any damage to them or. Yeah. After beating it, I think the second time around, it will it will put those on there if you want. It becomes an option. Isn't that why, ridiculous? Why isn't that an option the first time? I don't know. That's ridiculous. It, it really is, is ridiculous. I don't care. Okay, it well, looks pretty. But so I, finish your thought there about the. Okay, so I was trying to beat the final boss, and I'm like, how do I beat the boss? How do I beat the boss? Because the game gives you tutorials for worthless things like how to move or how oh, to. I jump. love stuff like that. <laughs> but it doesn't give you tutorials on how to use your magical special attacks, which are... Yeah, or how you know when you're able to, or how do you know you're getting close to it, building up. Yeah, you know and, nothing. Oh, but you can look it up. It's in the game manual somewhere. Oh, I is have it? the manual here. Or Actually, I... it might be in the in-game library, which is about three or four menu selections deep to figure out what move you actually need to do to kill the last boss. I just kept trying different weapons. Yeah, I guess there's an overboost mechanic, which is like DMC Devil Trigger. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I did that. And that's what kills him. But I had never done that before in the game. You you never heard that voice say, let me help you. Yeah, and I was was like, what is that? That's when you use uh, L1 and R1 and and kick it in super kick butt mode. Yeah, I think they taught me to do that during one boss fight, and I totally forgot because it was like six hours ago. (laughs) It's never required at any other point in the game, but right there. Uh, 
I did use it quite a bit though with some enemies. So oh, you did? I, I yeah, I picked up when I was able to do that and I did use that. So Yeah, I totally forgot it was there. Oh, the game is just not very good at teaching you how to play it. Ugh, they're just uh that's too bad. That's just poor game design. It it really is. I mean, I said that about Hotline Miami, but this I think is worse. <laughs> yep. A lot of style, not a lot of substance. Yeah, unfortunately too. And also, I mean, this game really, other than uh, a, a very small tie-in, it didn't have a feel of any kind of Judeo-Christian uh, type of theology or of uh, view of God or in anything like that. I mean, it really just, it, to me, is sort of a Japanese mythology game where they borrowed some terms from uh, one of the pseudepigrapha and made a game out of it. Uh, I think I would agree with that. I mean, but they do that all the time. I mean, you know, even just like the name Sephiroth is stolen from it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Jewish uh, Kabbalah kind of thing. Yeah, yeah I was so, just, I mean, I was just kind of expecting this a little more out of this one. I'm not saying I'm expecting the most amazing theological experience to ever come out of a game. <laughs> but, you know, when a game is called El Shaddai, I, I mean, that's a, a Hebrew name for God. I don't know. I was expecting a little more than what I got out of the game. Does anyone but know maybe if the I game... was expecting too much. Does anyone know if the game has a different title in uh, Japanese? I do not. I wonder. I bet it does, because this title has nothing to do with the game at all. <laughs> I'm going to Google that right now and see what comes up. All right. Uh, here's something that people at home could do, but we're going to do for you. <laughs> so, but we're, we're, we're just here to help. Yeah, we're just here to Google it for you, you know, just in case you couldn't type in the words, right? In case your computer's down. Yeah. Right. In which case, uh, how are you listening to this? <laughs> Maybe you have an iPod or something. Oh, I enough. haven't worked through that part of it yet. Yeah, if they're yeah, really, now. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so um, what is the theology gaming verdict on El Shaddai? I'm going to give it a, a 6 out of 10. I'm just going to shrug. <laughs> <laughs> That's Joe didn't play it. Uh, anyway, um, I'm going to say it's a mediocre game, and it's probably really cheap now. And if you got it for $2.99 on the Xbox sale, good for you. Um, it's worth a playthrough if you bought it for that much, but... Uh, I'd say I paid minutes. again. I paid fifteen ninety nine. I think I overpaid. If it had been eight ninety nine or nine ninety nine, I would have felt better. I'm gonna trade it back in though. This is not a keeper for my collection. No, I don't think so either. But Joe, you can have my copy. Oh yay! <laughs> well, you can at least play it. You can give it I'll, back to me later. No, I'll bring back Near and I'll pick up that. Oh, did you finish Near? Uh, no. <sighs> I had the Japanese name. Oh yeah, what is it? Arushadai. Oh, okay. Uh, wait, really? <laughs> really? Yeah. Yeah. Arushadai, Ascension that's, Ubuza Metatron. That's, that's I'm just going to I'm just going to leave that alone. That's so that's so funny for so many reasons. <laughs> oh, that's cuz the E and the um L and the R uh, sound are the same in Japanese. So. Yeah, that's why it's funny. That's just what it is. <laughs> <laughs> That was pretty close, but I it's... I just insulted someone. Ascension yeah, you, just about everyone out there. Naruto! <laughs> you know, all that <laughs> kind of Nailed it. <laughs> I actually, I watched a playthrough of this as well, uh, and they were playing it through with all Japanese. They still had the subtitles, but I was listening to it, and it seemed like the dialogue actually fit the Japanese language better than when I played it in English. Oh, is there so, a Japanese uh, vocal track? Yeah, I think you can choose to play it with oh, that. Well, that would have made the game a lot better, I bet. I usually I, always pick the Japanese vocal track if it's available. Uh, I am foolish. It was there, and because uh, like uh, Enoch was like, Enochai. <laughs> Enochai. Enochai. <laughs> okay, we're on to the poor renditions of, you know... <laughs> The script edition of uh, Theology Gaming. Yeah, I think I forgot because White Knight Chronicles, for whatever reason, is a Japanese RPG and it has no Japanese vocal option. That's odd. And I'm questioning whether I should play it because the voice acting is already really terrible. <sighs> All right. Well, <laughs> so Theology Gaming, well, I'll give it to Joe and we'll see if he actually likes it. All right. We'll do a follow up review. I know that Joshua Collar liked it a whole lot. But, yeah, I would love to hear what he had to say about it. Yeah. But uh, but Joe, play it. Play it on easy just so you can get through it. It takes a few <laughs> hours, but no, I'm serious. All yeah, right, all right. No, no, I, I agree. I, I know. <laughs> I know that's the way you are as well. It's, but it's, No, I don't I don't want the right. challenge. I just want to enjoy it. Well, it's not particularly hard on normal, but 
some of the boss fights are just stupid. Oh. You know, that kind just of Just play it to get through it. So yeah. you All can right. say you did it. Yeah, you could just blaze through it in probably like five or six hours. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but I can, I can see why this would be a title that uh, the Theology Gaming Podcast would have to address just by the title alone. So I'm glad we did it. Yes. Yeah. Well, actually, gents, I hate to say this, but I actually have to go. I am sorry. Well, Joe, thank you for being on. I'm sorry for being late. Oh, no problem. But it has been wonderful talking to all of you, all two of you. Well, thank Joe, you. you're an important part of this. So yes. thank you for jumping in and giving Sweet. your... Uh, asking your questions. You didn't really give any input, but yes, yeah, no, I, I, I had none to give. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But gents, I hope you have a good night. I look forward to the next podcast and uh, yeah, Zach, we'll have to work out a time when I can come over. Yes, because we need to record things. Yes, we do. So, yeah, so you guys um, are video game buddies. I'm a little yeah, jealous. It's huh. true. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, I, this is um, Joe Mazalia signing off. All right. Sayonara. All right. So, uh, was there anything else you had to add about El Shaddai or any of its bizarro themes? <laughs> you know, honestly, I feel like I got everything out that I, I wanted to. I felt kind of disappointed in the game overall. That's kind of my feeling. Yeah, and I didn't want to. I mean, I really wanted to feel like something profound was going to happen. Yeah. It, and did it didn't. You, I mean, go ahead. Did you read Richard Clark's articles on this? No, I did not. He gave pretty exhaustive reasons for why he thought it was pretty orthodox theologically and that kind of thing. I mm. would encourage you to read it. We'll put links to this in the podcast posting whenever okay. it is. But, um, yeah. And you said you didn't beat it, right? The final boss, or did you ever actually get Oh, no, past? I beat him. I had to look okay. up a video to see how somebody actually beat it. Okay. So, yeah, so he does that. He destroys the tower. And then it, and pretty much the end of the game is that mankind is free to choose and to choose his own path of evolution, I believe is kind of how it phrased it. And Why did I was they like, use that word so much, though? Yeah, uh, they use, it's almost like they had a false evolution theme going on. Yeah, that's I, what I was seeing. Yeah, and then I was thinking maybe after that they would have sort of like, I mean, there was nothing about, I guess, a restoration or a new relationship maybe with with. El Shaddai or anything like that. It was just that you're free to choose and uh, and develop or evolve your own way. Yeah. Which again, you know, it's not a biblical concept. So. No, that's why I was very confused about the <laughs> yeah. usage of these themes. Well, that's the thing. You you take uh, the Book of Enoch, and you know, it is a a a biblical sounding book. Uh, uh, with the you know, the, it's put in that category of pseudepigrapha. Uh, books that profess to be biblical in character but aren't necessarily considered to be uh, canon or inspired. And, uh, you know, they use some stuff like that, and you think you might be getting more. But, you know, maybe just like the Book of Enoch itself, it really doesn't have a whole lot to offer. <laughs> no, it's kind of reiterating things that other books say. Yeah, and it's, it delved deeper into... Uh, you know, a certain chapter or a certain verse there in Genesis where it talks about the sons of God and the daughters of men. Genesis pretty much moves right on past that. I mean, it, it's a mysterious verse. There's no doubt about that. I don't think anybody really has any answers to what that is about. Yeah. Um, oh, but, but there is um, there is one thing. The book of Enoch, I'm pretty sure, is cited in Jude. Yes. Yeah, that is interesting. That was the one thing I remember about it. Yeah. Uh, I think I wrote something down about that somewhere. I, it's actually referred to specifically uh, in the book of Jude, uh, I, I think, two times. And then I think um, maybe one other place, too. I can't remember. But uh, uh, so it was certainly a book that the early church was aware of and did even refer to. But, you know, as far as what they considered to be uh, inspired themselves or or part of canon uh, I don't think necessarily they considered it that. I did look up to see when was the first time that the 27 books of the New Testament were actually listed, and it was in the year six, wait, 367 by Athanasius, the bishop of Alexandria, who he named the actual 27 books of the New Testament in his Easter letter that he wrote, and he goes right down. And uh, I don't know, it's just interesting to me. I'm pretty sure Enoch was written during a time of, you know, Upheaval. So, yes, it does yeah. has though it does have those kind of themes in it. If the textual date is accurate, because it's like one fifty to one hundred A.D. Not A.D. Uh, B.C. Uh, B.C. Yeah, yeah, that's what I understand. It was kind of that intertestamental 
history period where there were several writings. And again, they chose a character Enoch to write about because he's a very mysterious character. And a righteous man. Yes, a righteous man. And then you've got that passage that's actually a little bit sexy, you know, with the sons of <laughs> men, the daughters of, uh, of of like sons of God, daughters of men. You know, they they actually have intercourse. That was something for uh, you know someone to want to expound upon, possibly as interesting writing. Uh, so I think that's kind of where that came about. And yeah, there's some of the flood stuff right around that part of Genesis as well. Yeah, well, it's so. a fascinating thing, but definitely we shouldn't take it as something to be looked at too extensively. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to stick with probably the 27 that I. That are, yeah, they're pretty good. Yeah, they are. And there's reasons why, too. Uh, one of the reasons I was looking, if you don't mind me talking about this, man, but uh, uh, <laughs> some of the reasons why the books in the New Testament are are, are what they are is because of the connection to Jesus, you know, a lot of the right, like Matthew yeah. was a disciple. Mark was a, a kind of essentially a secretary to Peter. So that's Peter's perspective. Luke uh, traveled with the uh, the apostles on the journeys and he tried to write an order to order to count. He was respected. So they took his. John was a disciple. They they took what he wrote. Paul, they obviously took a lot of what he wrote as as being important. Yeah, but stuff like um the Gospel of Ju- what is it Judas or yeah, the God, you know the Apocalypse of Peter these kind of things. Yeah, there the are, Gospel of Thomas. Yeah. No, yeah, there are clear reasons why these books didn't make it into the canon. And to me, it seems like there are people back then that recognize that they don't have the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in the books themselves. Yeah, I think so. And then you just sometimes read it and you're like, oh, my goodness. Yeah, <laughs> it's not even close to what the, to the rest of everything uh, that, you know, I mean, canon is basically a word that has to do with measure. Uh, the, the the books that are considered to be part of canon are books that that measured up. And there yeah. were other books that simply didn't measure up. And the Book of Enoch does not seem like one that measures up to me. <laughs> <laughs> but, but again, I do think it's important to note that uh, these aren't forbidden books. You know, sometimes yeah. on the History Channel, they'll be like the forbidden books, books of the Bible. Bible. <laughs> now, I encourage people to read uh, these books. I mean, they're there. And uh, the early church itself read these books. Um, you know, read them. They're, they're beneficial. But it doesn't necessarily mean that they're inspired. Yeah, it's it's mostly that they they don't say anything new or theologically relevant, I think, is a lot of the reason why they don't get in there. Yeah, or theologically consistent sometimes, because, yeah. I mean, there were other viewpoints back then that used names like Thomas or whatever. Uh, Thomas is a Gospel of Thomas is a, a Gnostic book. It's not Christian. It doesn't even claim to be Christian. Ah, the Nag Hammadi, right? Something to that effect? Uh, what's that? Nag Hammadi, was that in the That's... Dead Sea Scrolls stuff? I believe they found the uh, the whole all the library of the Gnostic texts, and that's where they get a lot of these, uh, yeah, like um, inf- you know, Gospel Thomas, yeah. Infancy Gospel Thomas, which is pretty rad. <laughs> yeah, there's I forget there's one where Jesus is like wanting to do a lot of kissing. That's what I, just, <laughs> I remember that. It's like I wish you would stop kissing Mary all the time or something like that. I believe the Infancy Gospel involves <laughs> G- baby Jesus creating doves out of mud. Oh, yeah, yeah. Or and, like uh, there was a chair or a table or something where the leg wasn't long enough. So like he lengthened the, the <laughs> table leg magically. And, stuff like that. and another one where a little kid bumps into him on the street and he kills him dead. <laughs> and then everyone complains that it's sitting around. Like, Come on, Jesus, why'd you kill that guy? So he strikes them all with blindness. Yeah, he didn't play fair. <laughs> Jesus' report card said, does not play well with others. Yeah, considering the pacifist Jesus, right, versus this Jesus, it'd be like, they're going to have like a death match or something. <laughs> now there's a video game, right? <laughs> uh, uh, that, I don't know, but yeah, I, I really, I think it's just an interesting subject. And the fact that they chose a uh, the Book of Enoch to make a game out of is at least worth discussion. Yeah. Oh, it's just and to um, add one more thing that has nothing to do with Enoch at all. <laughs> right. Um, other some churches accept a secondary canon, which is the Deuterocanonical books. Yeah, like second canon. Yeah. Yeah, like um, first and second Maccabees, Tobit. Uh, there's some other books in there, but I'm pretty sure the Catholic Church calls them a secondary canon. So whereas you know, oh, first and second Esdras, these are books yeah. I haven't read, but um. <laughs> I read them years and years ago for a class, but but yeah, they're, but they're not bad reading. I know there's one. I think it's called the Prayer of Manasseh. Um, yeah, there is. Some of them are is, addendums to books that already exist too. 
Yeah, yeah, but that one, you know, is a, a true prayer of repentance. Uh, it's it's something. It's worth reading. So, yeah. So those are considered secondary canon. So if something in the primary canon of the original sixty six uh, contradicts something in those books, then we stand on primary and not the right. secondary. Yeah. Right. So, just as a minor clarification for anyone else who is wondering about that. No, I appreciate that. I'm a primary guy. <laughs> Yeah, I Protestant circles, we kind of tend to go, oh, microphone, watch <laughs> out, watch out. You know, yeah, or else we're going to disagree and split up. So <laughs> it's the Protestant tend- way. Yeah, we like to protest, <laughs> even when it's not necessary. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, like right Probably. now with the uh, radical Christians movement or something, that's what's happening, you know, mega churches and all that. Oh, yeah, splitting up and stuff. Yeah, it happens all the time. But You don't hear that much happening among the Roman Catholic Church, though. I mean, they really stay together and have for a long, long time. Yeah, well, when you rule with an iron fist, it tends to happen that way. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, I see sometimes there's, I don't, I don't want to say it seems justified, but it certainly has produced <laughs> a unified front, that's for sure. Yeah, they have better organization than us. Yeah, I think it's more of our freedom to disagree on certain things than it is. Yeah, instead of being uh, excommunicated or anathema or, or things like that. Yeah, and that's kind of where Protestants differ with Catholics. But wow, do we get really far afield? But yeah, we protested. Yeah, no problem. I'm going to go put my 95 thesis on the church door <laughs> and, and break away. Yeah, and then I'm going to move to Geneva and create my own Christian society. Oh, excellent. That's excellent. <laughs> But are we going to be friends or enemies? I forget. Uh, we'll be friends, but only on the issue of communion. We'll disagree. Yeah, yeah, but our followers, they're going to hate each other. <laughs> so. Theological and jokes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right, man. Okay, so um, this has been the Theology Gaming Podcast. I will request of you, if you liked what you heard today, you should uh, comment, rate, or subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Please tell other people about it, and if you could please take the time, please give us a five-star review and write something in the review section. Go reviews. We like good ones. We like good ones, yeah. Well, if you're going to give us bad ones, at least give us a justifiable reason why it's bad so we can improve. Uh, I actually gave us a good review. I hope that's okay. Okay, that's, that's okay, because I'm in charge. I can't give a review. But, yeah, that's okay. I could do it, and I did, doggone it. <laughs> All right, uh, Wildman Ted can be found at his blog, which is uh, wildmanted.com. Yes, and I have not posted lately, but now that my health is returning, I've got a few coming down the pipe. Ah, excellent. And maybe another one for the TG, huh? Yes, I would love to do another one. I tell you, when I did that for you uh, and put it on your uh, theology gaming site, there was a spike in hits on my site. So you, sir, have one red-hot website. Ah, well, thank you. So check out theologygaming.com. You won't regret it. No, there's way too much stuff to read now in one day. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, that was it. See ya. Sayonara. <laughs> <laughs>